wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome back to Auto Off Topic. Uh, I am back with more Brads. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's the same Brads. Yeah. More of the same Brads. <laughs> we've all same been terrible Brads, new week. We've now we've, we've all just been sitting here for a week, just waiting to That's right. make the same energy as last time. We, right. <laughs> we could have just recorded two episodes back to back, but we actually did wait a week. We could have, except for you guys, it was like 1130 at night. So you did Correct. not. And it will continue to be when this is over. Right. Well, you just need to move west. So I tried that. I might try it again. We'll see. You never know. You never know. Anyway, last week we had a couple things planned to talk about. And we didn't get to them because the things we did talk about went long. So in order to correct that, we've decided to uh, just reintroduce last week's energy again, like I said, and uh, bring the other Brad back and uh, make it work. So. Hi, I'm back. I'm the other Brad. It's not, I guess it's not fair to call you the other Brad. That's probably, that's probably me. Cause you are the original podcast, Brad, because <laughs> your podcast and a couple other podcasts were the reason that we started our podcast. So your podcast that's is right. Yours, and we know you because of your podcast. That's right. Without me, you'd be nothing. But much like many things in life, the imitations go on longer than the originals. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> not I'm better, not worse, longer. <laughs> we'll take it. Yes. I'm happy to be back. Thank you for having me back. Um, what a difference a week makes. You want uh, to pick more socks? Yeah, I got a ton more socks. Holy cow. <laughs> they all landed. I've got five boxes sitting right behind me. Um, yeah. Lots of socks. Uh, also, I, I have um, parted ways with the museum that I invited everyone to visit last week. So, uh, yeah, I am no longer the director of the Crawford. And, um, yeah, we'll say creative differences. Okay. And leave it at that. We, we this will is look quite that. a turn if you're listening to the episodes, like, back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little the- bit. A little bit. The last episode was the first episode you've been on since you started over there, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think when I started a year and a few months ago, about a year and a half ago, um, I was on to like promote that. And then, uh, yeah, last week was the first time I had been on since. And uh, maybe it was a curse. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You announced you were going there on this podcast and now you've announced your exit. So. 
Okay. Yep. Perfect bookend. So, um, the podcast of record. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not uh, worried about it. I'm, you know, I'm a smart guy. I know a lot of things, and I know a lot of people. So, literally had an interview lined up within like two hours of walking out of the building. So, <laughs> I think I I'll be say- okay. I was I was hoping you were announcing you're leaving because you were the one purchaser of the billion dollar lottery ticket last night, but I guess not. Oh my god, that would have been great. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I lived in Nevada long enough that I don't play the lottery anymore because I forget that it exists. Because Nevada doesn't have lottery. So he's gamble on everything else. That's right. Yes, but Nevada is a lottery. That's the whole thing. That's that's true. Yeah. Um, so. So yeah, I mean, I, everything's kind of up in the air. Um, we're not really sure what we're going to do, and I'm not rushing into anything. I've got time to, to really decide what my next steps are. Um, yeah, just kind of comfortably looking for something new. So if you know of anything out there in the ether that you think a uh, former co-owner of Radwood and jalopnik blogger and freelance automotive journalist and museum director might be good at uh drop me a line well as chances might have it there's going to be an open opportunity at a dealership body shop tomorrow because that's also my (laughs) i definitely don't want that because for one reason it's 115 degrees where you are right now this is true and uh no thank you it was uh a balmy 91 this morning, though. It was beautiful. So oh, you take the go with the bed. Is that like 6 a.m.? Not 6 a.m. That was about, I don't know, probably about 8.30. It was still about in the 90s. All right. It was fine. Wow. It was fine. Listen, this isn't even normal either. Not to, not to bring up weather already on the podcast, but this is a little on the high side. It's a, it's a record. Like We broke records since 1974 or something. So wow. it's not uh, it's not normal, but... It's fine. I'm sitting in the air conditioned room. I'm comfortable. I'm happy. Doesn't matter. So, have I fixed any of my cars with air conditioning issues? I have not. So, it's been warm. But in fact, today I drove the Crest out of work because he was like, you know what? I don't have any cars right now with functioning air conditioning. So, I might as well suffer in something I haven't driven in a while. So, change it up a little bit. I have been yeah. riding the motorcycle because it's actually cooler to ride the motorcycle because you're not in a hot box of a car. And, you know, obviously I wear, you know, all the gear all the time. So I have a jacket, helmet and gloves. So no skin is exposed to the sun, which makes a big difference when you talk about the temperature. because You don't notice it as much when you're riding in the wind with out the sun beating on you, the sun on your skin zaps you faster than the heat, just the heat does. So yeah. in the car, you get a lot more sun than being on the motorcycle, which sounds funny, but it's because I'm totally covered. You know, every inch of skin is covered on the motorcycle. So hot wind will definitely dry you out like really, really quickly for sure. So if you're riding in the heat, definitely drink a lot of water, but yes, it is much worse if you are exposed to the sun for sure. I have a, insulated 32 ounce water bottle on board uh-huh. and, uh, every time i stop i drink some water so nice <laughs> no stress. it does work not every time i stop but you know what i mean every time i stop at a destination not right time. right right 
No, I mean it's not bad. It's not it's not like pleasant, but it's not it's not terrible. So I have uh, some time in between this and my new gig, and I hope to have some mornings where I leave when it's like eighty degrees out, and I get out of the city and up into the mountains and do some you know all day riding. So that will hopefully be uh, how I spend some of my time in between here. So anyway, Andrew. Do we have any project car updates to start the episode off with? I don't. I uh, I was thinking about this. I was like, I haven't touched a car in like since I came back from vacation. It was like I did the Nurburgring, and maybe that was like my Mount Everest, and I <laughs> and I don't have anything else to do. I don't know. It's like, huh? Podcast over. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't done. Uh, I drove the G twenty like twice. Uh, wow, you heard it here. You've heard it. You heard it first here, folks. Cars are bad, and just, Andrew hates them. I don't know if yeah, I hate is, them. I just auto, auto, I've auto, gotten auto, to them. It's weird. Again, uh, and then, well, it's also been like raining, like all the time. But what else happened? I oh, I, I it was funny because I got an email from the Mass RMV that was like you didn't inspect the galants. And I was like, what? That's impossible. And I like ran downstairs to the garage and sure enough, it's got a may sticker on it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I I think the last time I like, I could have sworn I had it inspected in like October, but that was like the second to last time. And I let that expire and then inspected it in may. <laughs> okay. And then apparently forgot about that. <laughs> Cause it's just been sitting in the garage. So yeah, have you driven it this year at all? No. Well, that's how you forgot about it then. <laughs> yeah. I feel well, like I anything this year yet. Yeah, I, it's like uh, it's the garage is annoying. There's stuff in the way. I've got a shed on order. It's coming, so I can get non-car stuff out of the garage. That'll make it a little easier. Like it's time that you make some moves with cars and uh, bring a new project into the fold. I'm trying to get rid of cars, <laughs> at least one right. of them. All right. Well, I that, do have a little. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, because that's the so like that's the problem. The Q45 is in my one of my edge spaces on the driveway. OK, so like I don't have a place to put the golf wagon. So if I want to pull stuff out of the garage or out of the side, that car is in the way. So I have to move that car, pull a car out either put that car on the spot or park it on the grass or something. I don't know if you can hear or not, but I am playing the world's smallest violin. Well, it's annoying to me. It's sure. like you have a, you have to move this puzzle piece. It's like that, those like puzzles that were in like the square that you like move the little pieces around. Sure. Or the um, mobile game ad that they I get targeted to me all the time because I have car things. And it's like trying to get a van out of a parking spot, but it's at your actual life. Yeah. I mean, it's all of our actual lives. I have the same annoyance. I just, I'm not complaining about it right now. So I can make fun of you for complaining about it. It's part of the reason that some cars just don't get driven as much because other cars have to move to get them out. So I do get where you're coming from. Which seems like a silly reason to have them. If you can't use them. You can use them. You just don't use them. It goes in stages. You use a car for like a few weeks. Then it gets moved to the back. You use another car for a few weeks. That's kind of how I do it. I just have a little bit of a, just a mix up in between. Like I'll 
put a car in the driveway. That'll be the car that I'll, you know, use for pleasure drives or not work. And then I'm like, oh, I want to drive that other car. Then I'll put that car out back, put that car in the driveway. Just, just kind of a whole cycle of things. But everything gets used eventually. So, but I, I get it. I get it. Still, still playing the world's smallest violin, but also connecting to you with these same complaints. So, well, I, I am do. doing a track night. Okay. On the 28th. So, in what that coming up at least. In the G20 or the Galant? G20. Okay. Well, I do have a minor uh, project car update. I did do something. Okay. Um, I can start by saying that I got an email from Techno Toy Tuning. They are have received my strut housings, and they are rebuilding those right now. So that's exciting. Wonderful. Um, but my project car update is actually not really the project car. It's both things related to Naomi's cars. Car cars car and future car so i guess i'll start with the first thing i think i talked about on the podcast before we ordered a new ford maverick Excellent. and the process has been kind of tedious and weird but after just shy of a year because i think it was august of last year we placed the order uh, we did get an email with a vin number and a confirmation that it will be produced as a 2023 model so where of the thought that we'll probably have it sometime between Halloween and Thanksgiving should be the target date, which is good because they said that by July 27th, you would have an email that either said your congratulations, you're getting your order for your 23 or sucks to suck. You now have to order a 24. So go call your dealer and order a 24. And the Mm -hmm. issues with that were they're changing the option packages and the color that she wanted is no longer available either. So in order to get everything we wanted, we had to get the 23. And thankfully we got the email stating that we are getting our 23. So that's kind of cool. So they ran out of paint. Yeah, they just changed the options. So, you know, that's, it's kind of like the launch color. It's called area 51 blue. It's very similar to the uh, cool gray khaki on your Subaru. Maybe a little bit more blue to it, though. So they canceled that color and they brought a similar color. But the similar color is a thousand dollar option. And it comes with like a pearl coat over it. Which I don't want. And she doesn't want. So but anyway, thankfully, we're getting a 23. Well, now you can get the sandwich board and say launch color area 51. Two years only. (laughs) Original paint never waxed. We could have it all the emails on display. We could do that, yes. Or we could be normal human beings and not bring a brand new car to a car show because that annoys me. So um, the other update is her current car, <laughs> which I think I've mentioned here before also is a 20. 2013, isn't it? No, 11, 2011. Yeah, Hyundai is the goat, though. Yeah, Hyundai Sonata uh, with 250 ish thousand miles on it. And it goes everywhere, drives all over the West Coast, been to um, Oklahoma, it's been to California, it's been everywhere. The we took it this weekend. We went camping 
because again, we are in a heat wave and we decided that we wanted to escape the heat of the heat wave. So we went to 9,000 foot elevation as one does when you're trying to get out of the heat uh, uh-huh. to a place called Big Big Lake, Arizona. It's like northeastern Arizona, almost into New Mexico. But it's up in the White Mountains, not the New Hampshire White Mountains, the Arizona White Mountains, which, to be fair, when you're in the White Mountains of Arizona, feels a lot like you're in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. So it was kind of neat. Definitely a little bit kind of felt like home. But anyways, a place there called Big Lake, which is a big lake, and they have campgrounds all around it. So we drove up there last Friday after getting out of work at 530. I went straight there. It's not close. It's like a four to four and a half hour drive. So when we left at 530 in the afternoon, we didn't get there until close to 10. So a good majority of the drive was in the dark. Well, I was looking for the camp spot. And then she moved the car from like the first initial parking spot to a spot near our camp spot. And I noticed that when she was backing up, there were no taillights. It's not great. And when she hit the brakes, there was only a third brake light. All right. So we had no taillights, like no running lights, and no brake lights except for a third brake light. The backup lights worked, the turn signals worked, but the lights did not work. So we drove up in the mountains in the pitch black with no running lights or taillights or brake lights in the back of the vehicle at all. It's like a moonshine car. (laughs) Right. So... I have had issues with the taillights in this car since I've known the car. Um, It burns out taillights in a much faster fashion than most cars should. Especially the passenger side for a long time. Well, the passenger side was an aftermarket unit. So I decided that I'll just get a factory housing for it. And all of the sockets are built into the housing. It's all like one thing. I was like, I'll get a factory housing for it. And, you know, I'll look into this. So I did that six months ago and that bulb lasted six months. So that's not right either. So anyway, we camp all weekend. Sunday night comes. We're going to drive back, you know, down here. Now, Big Lake, Arizona is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's national forest. There's no stores. There's no auto zone to buy bulbs. So we have to drive a good distance to get to a store that will sell, you know, taillight bulbs. So we get to a store not even like a Walmart. There's nothing up there. Absolutely nothing. There's like Family Dollar is the biggest store they have. And I don't think Family Dollar has a very, very big bulb selection. I don't actually know because I don't think I've ever been in a Family Dollar, but I doubt they have car parts. They might have an automotive section where it's like some the weird stuff. brand of oil. Yeah, maybe. And like washer fluid. I don't know. I've never been in a Family Dollar. I know I've been in a Dollar General, but I've never been to a Family Dollar. So... That might sound elitist, but I shop at Walmart all the time, so it's not. Um, Anyway, so we found a AutoZone that was open. And uh, as we've discussed in the Discord, AutoZone is for emergencies only, and this was definitely an emergency. Looked up the bulbs it was supposed to be, which is a 2357. Bought a pair of 2357s and went to change them in the parking lot. The passenger side, which is the light that I just put in it, the bulb melted the socket and fused itself together. So I could not change it. Hmm. 
in the parking lot. But over to the driver's side, the socket was brown and burnt, but the bulb could come out. So I changed that one and it intermittently worked. So now I was annoyed and I noticed that the prongs that touched the bottom of the bulb were just kind of laying flat, which would make sense if the thing got so hot that it charred the housing that that metal got hot while it was being pressed on by the bulb, it could have just sagged down, right? Like the springiness of it could have gone away. So I got some of the dielectric grease to kind of like help the connection a little bit. And that seemed to work enough that it worked. So driving home now, we had one running light, one brake light, and the third brake light. Passenger side, still nothing. But I figured we were safer at least a little bit. So once we got even further back towards here, we had cell phone signal. I started looking into it. Now, bear in mind, she's owned this car since 2011. It's not like it's a new car. It's been out for a long time sometime in the past few years all of the aftermarket listings for that car list a 2357 bulb the car is supposed to have an 1157 bulb now 2357 and 1157 are interchangeable except in the fact that an 1157 burns 30 to 40 percent cooler than a 357. So while the bulb does work in the car. I thought that was a weird number you threw out. 2357? Am I yeah. wrong on that number? No. I. It's just not. I've never heard it for like. Usually you hear like an 1157. There's like uh, an 1156 or something. Like they're. Sure. They're usually 11s. Yeah, that 20. must have something to do with it, where it's like, <laughs> is it a voltage thing? I don't, I don't know the difference. I just know from what I was reading that a twenty three fifty seven and an eleven fifty seven, they both are dual filament. They have the same offset pins. They hit the same size, but the twenty three fifty seven burns much hotter than the eleven fifty seven. It can't be a voltage because it's all twelve volts. Probably so wattage. It a, it's wattage. Yeah, yeah it must be a, a resistance thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's creating heat. I don't know. Whatever. So, I, according, anyway, it was the wrong bulb. <laughs> yeah, according to Sylvania, the 2357 is ideal for daytime running lights, backup, and reverse lights. But that's weird because 2357s are dual filament, so I don't know why they'd be good for those things. So, anyway, it's the same bulb as an 1157, which burns much cooler. So, I found a video online of a guy with the same kind of Sonata, who's a, like a mechanic that does mechanic videos. And he ran into the same problem. And he said the same thing, like forever, it's not been an issue. Now all of a sudden it's an issue. So somewhere along the line, all these catalogs got changed and they're all putting the wrong bulb down in the car, which hmm. I noticed in the past that other Hyundai Sonatas and Kia, I don't know, what's the Sonata version of the, the Kia? Elantra? The what? Elantra? No, but it's a, that's a smaller Hyundai. Anyway, uh, yeah, Kia, whatever. Mid-sized Kia. They have the same issue that they always have bulbs out. And I wonder if this is all related to that particular listing being wrong and melting the harnesses. Like it. So, anyway, 
went on the uh, you know evil Amazon because I, actually I went to O'Reilly's first when we got back, and they could not get me a listing for the taillight socket that fit. They had a universal like eleven fifty seven socket, but it was too deep; it wouldn't fit the the housing. So I found on Amazon an actual full taillight harness. So you take the taillight bulb out and you replace the whole harness with a new one. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. I did that with a new 1157 bulbs. And uh, fingers crossed, we have brake lights and running lights now for at least until we get our new Maverick. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> so just an interesting little thing. If you have one of those Sonatas, um, look into that. Make sure you use 1157s, not 2357s. So I don't know what the bulb numbers mean. I'm sure that a, a bulb starting two, three versus 11 is a difference in something, but because they both end 57, right? It's like stereons in the wrong bodies and the wrong batteries, Wrong batteries. That's exactly where my brain went to. It's a bad listing on the battery. You can't get the right one. So, um, oh. also, did I tell you about the anti-theft update on that car? No. So I don't know if you've seen these videos of like the Kia boys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're from here. It's an East Cleveland thing. Oh, perfect. So definitely don't buy a Hyundai or a Kia there. They uh, they literally won't insure Hyundai's or Kia's in the in in Northeast Ohio. Perfect. So if you live here and you have one, you're uninsured. That's not convenient, inconvenient at all. That's no. Yeah. Because people suck. Totally fine. Anyway. Um, we got a recall notice that there's a fix for that now. Um, and it's some, some kind of change inside cause they don't have chips in the key. So severe oversight. Yeah. So in order to start them, all people do is just break the column and just basically turn the tumbler manually and it overrides everything. So this update makes it so there's still no chip in the key. But now it knows that there's a key in the tumbler. Okay. And the key is the correct key for that tumbler, and the car won't start without a key in it. Which okay. is basic car 101. Car won't start without key. Unfortunately, yeah. Hyundai forgot about that for a few years, and then when the uh, when the the bad actors found that out, it became a problem. So they wow. changed it so now with the key in the ignition, the car will start. But if the key is not the ignition, you cannot start the car. And I don't know how it works, but I know it works. And I know most importantly, they put these little stickers on the windows now that say protected by Hyundai, you know, something key technology. So mm-hmm. everybody will know not to steal our car. So I was talking to somebody here who's an auto electronics um, expert. He runs a shop where they just do auto electronics. And he says that just this year alone in this area, he's already done over 30 Hyundai Sonata ignitions. Wow. But from recovered theft ones. So thankfully that wasn't ours, but because of that, we don't keep anything valuable in the car. I'll put it that way. Hmm. Yeah. Cause the, um, I mean, any old car, anything, any pre-chip, you can, it works the same way. You just break the tumbler off and you can start it. Sure. Sure. Well, the way the Hyundai setup was, you didn't need to break anything. Like the steering column lock must have been electronic or something, because once you turned the car on, it just worked. So huh. I don't know. Anyway, ours is now. Uh, I'll stop short of calling it theft proof, you know, because of 
the unsinkable stuff, but um, it's definitely a harder Sonata to steal now. So hmm. that would be a terrible end to a car that you've put 250,000 miles on just to have somebody just drive away with it. Eh. So, yeah, Insurance would pay out. Yeah, like 2800 bucks. You sure? Yeah. You got your money's worth out of it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It doesn't owe you anything. It, do, it doesn't at all, but the the plan is that somebody else in the somebody else in the family is uh will be getting the car as a first car or something, you know? So, just want to keep it kind of moving. There. There. I have a a project car update, real quick okay. one. Um I got the Cadillac out of storage and started working on it. Uh, I'm going to try and get it to... What's that? Yeah, the Elante. Yes. I'm going to try and get it uh, Radwood ready for Radwood Detroit. Okay. uh, Which is in October... No, September? Late September. Uh, So there's a little time. And uh, it's been running like crap lately, so I did some looking into it. Apparently, they have transistors in the uh, in the fuel injectors that go bad. That seems weird. It's very weird, but the only way to fix it is to replace the whole fuel injector. So I bought eight fuel injectors. That was not super not super expensive, but not super cheap either. Um. And uh, got all the stuff to do, uh, tune up, you know, plugs, wires, uh, coil, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, oil change and all that stuff. Haven't done it yet. but And then I pulled the interior apart because the stereo has never worked since I got it. And it was uh, genius late 1980s Bose technology to individually amp each of the speakers. And those amps fail. That's not just 80s Bose. Like my my old Silverado had a Bose stereo on it and there was an issue with like replacing the stereo because nothing would work unless you like added amps or there was some weird stuff like that. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so instead of buying four amps at like $300 a piece, um, I bought an entire stereo system. What's that? Which is the value of an Elante, essentially. <laughs> well, a little, yeah. I'm being a little sarcastic, but I mean, a little sarcastic. Spend yeah. on that car, yeah. Um, so I bought uh, a subwoofer and an amp and four speakers. And I'm not even going to run it to a head unit. I'm going to block off. I'm going to take the head unit out and just run a blanking plate. Okay. Because it's going to be run directly to uh, a Bluetooth dongle. Sure. So everything will run through my phone and I'll have a phone charger dock in the dash so that I can just use my phone like Apple CarPlay and then Bluetooth it to the speakers and the sub. And all is right in the world. So. That's honestly, that's a normal setup nowadays. Like, yeah, a lot of people just want to leave the stock head unit in the dash just for the stock look. Sure. Have that Bluetooth situation somewhere. I have a similar situation in the 80 Corolla. It's just a five dial um, amp. It's a Bluetooth amp. So it doesn't require any other amps. Mm-hmm. And as a, a setup for the volume the you know fader and the balance 
and then it yeah. has a subwoofer loudness and subwoofer gain dial. Mm. And it's literally just a Bluetooth thing with the five dials on it. And it's just set to keyed power, turn the car on, it powers up, and the phone connects to it automatically, and you're good to go. And That's I, I really like that one because it has the volume dial on it as well. I don't have to have the phone out. Yeah. Quote unquote legality reasons. Sure. Um, yeah, I like that. That's nice. Yeah, I can send you a link to it later. It's only like, cool. it's like thirty nine ninety five. <laughs> So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So that's that's what I have, and and that car has, uh, it literally has takeoff speakers from like a mid two thousands five series BMW under the dash, uh huh, subwoofer in the back, and it's essentially fine. Yeah, I'm sure that'd be great. Yep, that's all you need. Yeah, essentially fine. So, so it's yeah, I'm gonna great. work on that next week now that I'm staying home. Excellent. <laughs> and I'll get a few projects done. I've got uh, got to put a starter in the ambulance and sell that thing. So if anybody wants a 2008 Ford E350, hit me up. Super duty. What engine's uh, in that? Six liter diesel. Okay. But it's been recently maintained. The EGR is recent, right? Yes. It's got the uh, bulletproofing, quote unquote, for the EGR. And... Um, yeah, just just recently did like two thousand dollars in maintenance and upgrades, and it'll probably need four batteries, so that'll hurt. But uh, it's just been sitting, and I don't drive it. I need to get it out of here. So yep. yeah, good good van. I again, it's one of those things. I, it doesn't owe me anything. I paid very little for it, drove it a lot, and uh, it's still a good van. I just don't need it anymore. With the diesel in that, what does that thing get for fuel mileage? Uh, it was not awful, but not great. It was like 18, 19 highway. That's pretty good for yeah. 7,000 pound. And it's, it's totally exactly the same if you're towing a car or not. Like there's, it literally does not change. Hmm. Maybe it would change if you were towing a big car, but like I was towing a Lada and got like 17, 18 miles to the gallon. So towing a lot of, uh, What's the tow capacity on that? 10,000 pounds. It's pretty good. Yeah, real good. Real good. I hope that every listener got my lot of joke because you guys both weren't paying attention. It's all right. That's a lot of car. I said what you're hauling a lot of, but that's, you know. Oh. Now that I've explained it, it's <laughs> lost its luster. So. Uh, I think it's, it's just the, the please clap mentality is a little yeah. funnier. Yeah. Yes. Clap. Please clap. Please clap. I only brought it up. <laughs> so I couldn't I couldn't let it slide. That was a That's a good tow rig for someone though. Yeah, for sure. It's much it better would be than excellent for a track tow or whatever. Yeah, if it was a normal van, not an ambulance, I would probably be interested, but I don't Why think don't you want the ambulance? I don't know. I just don't want you it. You actually want the ambulance because it's a high roof. You can stand yeah. up in it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not white. It's got like two tones and it's got decals on it. Pull them off; it'll be white. Yeah. <laughs> or spray bomb it white. It doesn't matter. I often find myself thinking, like, so my my new job comes with the company car. Uh huh. So that gets me thinking of things all the time because, like, I don't need a car to commute to work with anymore. So right. fuel mileage is less of a concern. Right. I used to have that diesel pickup truck 
and I loved it. Yeah. I don't really have a use case for a diesel pickup truck right now, but having yeah. one is neat. And then my brain was like, what if I found a diesel van? Yeah, because the camping you guys just did, you could have camped in the van. Yes. That's the other problem with the ambulance is that with the build out in the back, it's too narrow to camp in. You take no, it's that not. Job. I've two slept people. in it. For two it's people. totally totally wide enough. I've put three people. motorcycles in the back of it. Or you remove it and make it the way you want it. Yeah. That anyway. too. You can put a queen size bed in it. 100%. Really? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I'm so I'm so anti power stroke diesels though. And then you can tow your uh, Himalaya behind it. <laughs> you could put the Himalayan on the front bumper for sure. I even have the front bumper hitch for it. That's even cooler. That is way cool. Yeah. Way cool. There you go. All right. You, you could have brought your bike up there, rode your bike around while you're camping. Yeah. Other trails. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't even know the car yet. Let's get you into this van tonight. Yeah. What do I I need to do? What do I have to do to get you into this van? Well, every car you've sold in the past few years, you've sold to me. So, I mean, that's true. That's true. I got to move a few things first. Anyway, if if you still have it when I have more space, we'll chat. The Figaro is the only thing that I've sold that I haven't sold to you. Oh, I forgot about the Figaro. That wasn't really my car anyway. You're in luck because nothing you own right now is either in my price range or I want. So <laughs> possibly this van. Possibly. I have an Alante with your name on it. No, I, the only the only cars I would buy from you right now from your collection are your Neon. Yep. Both Porsches. Okay. And now suddenly is van. <laughs> this, is a, this is a new one, but the van wasn't yeah. there before. Yep. So, why does it have four batteries? Because uh, it's an ambulance. It's got two alternators. Hmm. It's got a slide-out tray on the bottom of the van that's got four large deep-cell RV batteries in it that are probably $300 a piece. Ugh. You and could probably run it on just one or two, though. You can, It runs normally on two. Yeah. The other two are backups. So, like, if you leave it idling, or if you leave it, you know, you're defibrillating or whatever you do in the back of an ambulance and you're not running the engine, there's enough extra set of batteries in an emergency. So you can flip a switch and it'll start off of those two. Well, obviously towing my motorcycle around, I'm not going to be defibrillating. I'm going to be making, um, um, yeah. Yeah. But if you want to run power while you're, yeah, it all has like exterior floodlights and I've run the batteries low like loading up after a rad load or something. So like, it was nice to have, I just needed to run my espresso machine. So it's fine. Right. Typical overlander. Right. PTO coffee grinder. (laughs) And my refrigerator. So anyway, all right. I'm not going to think about that right now because now I'm like, I'm sitting Man, out there. That's like where you can use it. You like live in the perfect area. For I know. Yeah. And my brain has been going crazy because, again, new job starting company car. Uh, by the way, I found out what my company car is. Oh, yeah. It's very anti the ethos of auto off topic. OK. Is it a Prius? Electric? 
It is not electric. It is a full gas car. They are available in a hybrid, but this is not a hybrid. Are we starting Craig Craig Don't Tell Me already? Is it, is it Escape? A Ford Escape? Yeah, let's let's. Uh, it's not a Craig Craig Don't Tell Me, but it's more of a uh, uh, Brad Brad Why You Drive That. Uh, <laughs> it is a right, so it's a crossover. It is an inline four cylinder front wheel drive automatic. Okay. Okay. Uh, it is burgundy in color and has four doors. Okay. Well, at least it's not silver. Nope. It's like a like a deep like cranberry red. It's actually a very nice color. Okay. I think the color code is 3R3. Um, the car, I'm trying to think how I can describe it without giving it away. Uh, 2.4 liter inline four, probably a standard five-speed automatic. Um, disc brakes all around. Uh, beige interior. Corolla? It is not a Corolla. Because um, I'm like, Ford doesn't make cars anymore. It's also not brand new because I'm a new employee. I get a hand-me-down. So Interesting. What, like uh, what country years. was it built in? Oh, it is an Asian car. Which Honda? surprised me. I thought for sure it would be all American cars being an American company, but it is an Asian car. Okay. Uh, it's I not mean, a Honda, Andrew. It's not a Honda. Okay. Oh, the 2.4, huh? Not a Honda. So, so two four is is Hyundai Kia, isn't it? Because it's based on the same as the be Korean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me let me let me double check my facts here. Um, I'm not sure what size engine. Maybe I'm wrong on the engine. I don't think I am. I think it's two point four. Well, let's see. This is uh, eh, sorry. It is a two point five. Oof. Oh, a lot. Interesting. Uh, 178 horsepower, 178 horsepower, weighs 3,000 pounds, six-speed automatic. I was wrong, not a five-speed, six-speed. Jeez, you're leading us astray. I am, so you're all better now. And it's an Asian manufacturer. Yep, yep. And it's, is it a sedan or is it a crossover? It is a sedan. It is a sedan, okay. Camry? It is a Camry. Interesting. Tan cam. 2.5 liter, huh? It is not not a tan cam because it is a burgundy. (laughs) Bird cam. Bird cam. It's a bird cam. Um, which actually, right. I'm okay with this because I, I know for a fact it won't be a car that I fall in love with like my own because it's a Camry. Uh, and I can just park it in the street in front of my house and not worry about it. And it won't look... You know what? Bad. You are going to fall in love with it. Because it'll just work. Yep. <laughs> yep. If the air conditioning will work. Everything will be comfortable. You'll get home relaxed and you'll go, oh man, this is what I've been missing my whole life. I've had fairly new cars before. It's fine. Okay. It's that meme. I'm going to own all these cars. This is the greatest car I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, I it's uh, I think it's like a, I saw it the other day because it's actually my new boss. It's his car. He's driving right now. So I get the hand-me-down as the new employee, which yeah. is fine. Um, I got a problem with that. Um, but he was driving. He was, actually, this is going to be your car. And it looks like it's like a 2019 or a 2020 Camry SE. So, just, cool. Uh, it's an aggressively car. So, but I'm cool yeah. with that. That's fun. Extremely it's, car. Yes. How would you describe your car, sir? Uh, one thing I will not say is that it is grounded to the ground, which is a <laughs> typical. Well, it's not a sport model, so. It, uh, SE obviously stands for sports edition, Andrew. Does it at least have alloys? It does have alloys. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's not it's not the base base. It's like the it's got some stuff in it. 
So whatever, it's air conditioning and Bluetooth, and I get a gas card, and I don't pay for anything, so I'm into it. Oh so my let's god! Get, I bet it's get CarPlay. No, I have no idea. I didn't look that close. I had to look and see what a 2019 Camry has for standard what? SD options. A gas card. Right? Fantastic. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, honestly, I couldn't be happier. I got a car, a gas card, and 20 days vacation to start. So this is uh, this is, this is is what I need. So I'll be driving around all day, so I need to catch up on podcasts, too. It'll be nice. There you go. So, anyway, yeah. Side note. Anyway, I have no more Project Car stuff. Um, awesome that Brad has a few of his own. Uh, I do have three weeks of downtime here. Uh, I am going to spend a little time back in Boston. Um, but the other time spent, I'll be doing a couple of motorcycle trips here and doing some wrenching on a couple of cars here. So the plan is to, by the time I start my job, have made a choice on two of the vehicles in the backyard. If the Crescent is not running, I have a heavy buyer to buy it, the beige car. And if I haven't made any progress at all on the blue truck, I will be uh, moving the blue truck on to somebody as well. Just because. I'll be bummed, but it's probably for the better. I know. And at the time it needed to go, it went. It's lived another few years at least. Um, yeah. There's a person here who has expressed some interest in it, who also has a bunch of them. So okay. it won't be going. It's not going. To, it's not just going to wind up in a junkyard. It'll wind up yeah, yeah, yeah. living on in other restorations or being used as the base for restoration itself. So, sure. So we'll see what happens, and I'll keep you apprised of the situation. Um, I'm not going to sell that car because, you know, that's the whole pay it forward kind of deal, right? No, I don't uh, care. Do what you want to do. It's yeah, fucking, in your yard for two years. I've also put about probably 1200 bucks out of my pocket to a get it here and b buy some parts so maybe i'll yeah, maybe we'll sell it but it's all you i i uh, i walked away from that at a time when i needed to and yep. uh yeah I, I gave it to you for a reason yeah yeah i will not be giving away the cressida because i do have actual money tied up in that so anyway yeah so that's that is the plan for the next three weeks so there should be some some pretty heavy updates coming up coming along and we did order um some parts for the mustang so we'll be able to hopefully have some more more stuff going on there as well so just when it's not 115 degrees to 120 degrees out it's been stopping us a little bit is what it is all right what's today's topic andrew we have a topic to talk about today one make series one make racing series so these are interesting and i guess the most familiar one people will probably know about or be most familiar with is probably like spec miata where the cars are built to a you know exacting standard and then the only thing you can change is like alignment settings pretty much right there's not a lot of there's not a lot of playing with them it's like same engine same trans same weight same safety equipment basically same everything probably the same suspension components as well. And then yep. just adjustability to your driving style probably is your, your one big thing you can change. So yeah. And then just people doing like weird rule book tricks. Like, Oh yeah. That's racing. I remember hearing about people like dismantling wheel bearings and like matching wheel bearings to like reduce friction to make your car slightly faster. 
I mean, when you're talking about 120 horsepower four cylinder race cars, every advantage counts, right? Yep. So, so this came up the other day because there was a video on Instagram, I think it was like Instagram Reels, and it was this like half mile paved track in Illinois somewhere, and it was XJ220 supercars all being raced on this like one make series in middle America somewhere. And we were like, what is even happening? How, how did this exist? How did this even, how was this even a thing? Like if I recall, that was all formula one drivers or something. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was all formula one drivers. It was uh, legends. So, uh, okay. Yeah, it was called the Legend Legend Racing. Um, now I got to remember the actual name of it. I, I had it all pulled up, and now it went away because <laughs> I clicked a button. <laughs> but it was super cool that it existed, and it's just like, how does this? How does this happen? And the prize was a hundred thousand dollars. So uh-huh. basically, you get in your, you know million dollar XJ220S and race for $100,000. And it was pretty much a demo derby with XJ220s. <laughs> it was, it was, it wasn't called Legends, it was called Fast Masters. Oh, okay. And that's who it was. So 50 different people participated in this over the years. So there was Parnelli Jones. Bobby Allison, Paul Newman, Johnny Rutherford. Like, these are all names that are, like, legendary in the the sport of racing. And somehow they put together these Jaguars that were all built by Tom Walkinshaw Racing. Mm -hmm. TWR, which obviously, as giant Volvo nerds here, we all know from the BTCC build 850s, right? And this event took place in middle America. Like these images of these these races just it was show Indianapolis Raceway Park. Okay, in the middle of Indiana, not like yeah. not at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. No, it's literally like a Saturday Night Special stock car track. Yeah, I I, I I don't know how this was thought to be a good idea or how they were going to make money with it. It was paid for by ESPN. Okay. By what I'm looking at here. And it was aired Saturday Night Thunder on ESPN with um, Haviland sponsorship. Yeah, so, every car had a Haviland sponsorship. And yep. they were they did six races and in that and time they ran on they ran on street Bridgestone RE seventy ones, just like not even a race tire. And a, every car every car was crashed. At least I one. bet. Every I single bet. car. <laughs> Every single car. Um, and what they were saying was that eventually they were tired of loading them on and off the trailers all wrecked. So that after the races, they would just drive them all to the body shops they used and have them all fixed. Now, how? <laughs> imagine you're a body shop owner in rural Indiana. And all of a sudden, you have this weekly gig fixing XJ220s yeah. of of any car that comes in this XJ220 that I would hazard a guess 
is one of the vehicles that a majority of car people haven't even seen one unless you live in like London or Southern California. It's not a common car anywhere. So just yeah. to be this like rural body shop guy in Indiana that's fixing Camrys and Civics to all of a sudden have this fleet of XGA 220s in your contract being pulled in there. Like, why'd you even get parts for that? What a, what a wild idea. And if you search YouTube, there's tons of videos of it. And it's certainly cool to watch. And then when you think about the fact that it's like literally like Parnelli Jones, like yeah. Bobby Allison, like these guys are not nobodies. This is, it's a, it's a crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bobby Unser won the championship. No, yeah. Not to give spoilers, but. Yeah, well, if you want to watch the whole thing, sorry, spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and it's... They talk about how there's no budget to build them into race cars, so they were just street cars. Yeah. And they had a viscous differential that when they came off the banking, when they lifted off, the viscous differential would uncouple, and they all backed into the walls and crashed. <laughs> what a ridiculous thing. Yeah, they, it's I mean it's it's icons of the sport. I mean it's it's Bob Aiken, Bobby Allison, Derek Bell, Bob Bondurant, Vic Elford, George Fulmer. I mean, yeah, this is crazy. Wild. Parnelli Jones, Juan Rubin, and uh, they they said that they didn't even put roll cages in them. They just drove them as streetcars. Yeah, sure. Why not? It's the nineties. What are you gonna do? It just seems like a wild idea that they, they all went along with it. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, M1 Pro Car. It was very similar because that was, you know, a, a supercar of the late 70s. Okay. And they did a one make series. And I think that was mostly F1 drivers, but there was a few others. But the difference with M1 Pro Car is that it was at like actual circuits. Yeah, that's true. Done, yeah, it was done on probably F1 circuits, if I remember correctly. Um, and it was done in congruence with the Grand Prix races. Like, it'll be like a like a, a feature race during the Grand Prix, right? So the Formula One race would be that weekend, and maybe the Saturday was the Pro Car race. So it was very similar to, like, an IMSA race being before an IndyCar race or something like that. It's it, it That, to me, is way less wild because it's, A, they're full race cars. They were purpose-built race cars you know, cages, slicks, the whole nine. And they were used in a setting where it made sense. It wasn't like, let's build a bunch of million dollar BMW M1 Pro cars and then take them to Kentucky. Like, that's kind of the energy I get there from um, the Jaguar XJ220 Fast Masters. The cool thing is, though, is that there is a connection there between Pro Car and... The Jaguar series. Because okay. uh, TWR, Tom Walkinshaw, built cars. He built all the cars for the Jaguar series, but he built a bunch of the M1 Pro cars too. Mm. So, yeah, I think uh, Walkinshaw was an M1 Pro car. And um, Schnitzer, of course. And the other cool one is one that I'm familiar with because I'm, you know, XR4TI guy now. Uh, Eggenberger. Motorsports, who yeah. did all of the Sierra RSs back in the in the eighties for Group A, Group A racing. They uh, they built a lot of the M one Pro Car stuff, but M one Pro Car oh. to me makes sense. 
Jaguar XJ 220s does not make sense. So, Andrew, do you have any uh, one make series you wanted to bring up? Well, the only other super notable one that people would probably know would be IROC. Sure, I'm an obscure one. Well, IROC is IROC is the is probably the most known one that's a professional series. You know, we talk about Spec Miata being the most known currently. That's but that's amateur or probably some pro drivers get in there, but it's a it's accessible. Whereas, probably um, uh, Porsche Cup is pretty well known too. Mm. Sure. There's sure. also uh, Ferrari Challenge has been running for a lot of years, and uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Super Trofeo, yep. But IROC is cool because that was familiar in America. I think that's where I'm kind of making my point here about it being known, because a lot of Americans would know IROC that wouldn't know Super Trofeo or Ferrari Challenge. And IROC was cool too because it made some really cool streetcars. Or made some streetcars. I don't know if they're all really cool, but so IROC started the first year in 911s, right? They were 911, were they turbo 911s? They're RSRs. So no turbos. Bradley should know the answer to this. They're not, they're neither. They're cups. They're, they're specifically built for that series. Okay. But then they're not turbo cars. I, this is the in seventy three or now, no, the original IROC. Oh, the original they were, uh, they were sort of RSRs. Okay, sort of. They were not turbocharged. No, they were naturally aspirated. Okay. So then they went to was Camaro the next car? Uh, probably yes. Yeah, it was. You like Camaro was, was running it, and then it was Camaro for a long time. And that's why we have the IROC Z28, because it was named after that race series. And yep. then after that, it went to Firebird. No, it went to Dodge Daytona. So you had the Daytona yep. IROC. And then it went to Firebird. Yep. So you had the Trans Ams for a while. And then it kind of went away. It died and, off, yeah. Yeah, and then it sort of came back in like a, like a cross cart kind of deal a couple of years back. That's different. Yeah, but it's the, same, it's the same thought process. Like ROC, Race of Champions? Yeah. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, the the spiritual successor to IROC would be this SRX series. Yeah. See, I don't know much about the SRX series. I see that, and it it's, just looks like a, again, like I said earlier, Saturday Night's Talk Car Racing. It's lame. It's not, I don't think it's good, but yeah. whatever. I, I tried watching it, and it just it didn't seem, it didn't, didn't hold my interest, so... I think um, my thought on it is the superstars in the superstar racing experience are not really superstars. Many of them anyway. Some of them are, but many of them are not. It seemed to be a lot of second tier NASCAR drivers. Yeah. Which it's funny because you going back to the IROC thing. What I wanted to bring up with that before I get too far out of the way was that that was kind of a loaded series too because they ran on so many ovals. So it was definitely like it was, hey, this Into is the two thousands when it ended, it was all ovals, I think. Right. So here's yeah. here's IROC. We're gonna find the best drivers in the world, but we're gonna put a distinct advantage to those who drive NASCAR because we're gonna run it in basically NASCARs on basically yeah. NASCAR courses. So good yeah. luck to the Formula One guys. So it just became 
NASCAR drivers doing NASCAR stuff, which as we learned at the uh, Chicago street race, that being experienced in a specific kind of race course is a huge advantage. You know, when SVG showed up and wiped the floor with all the NASCAR guys, cause he knew how to drive a street course. So yeah. uh, actually to change subject real quick, we'll get back into it. SVG. I'm not even going to say his name because we got it wrong last time and we we're supposed to do a pandemic is- and we didn't. Shane Van Giesbergen. Giesbergen, not Ginsburg. Correct. Giesbergen. Okay. Shane Van Giesbergen just announced, I think today or yesterday, that he's coming back to run the road course at Indy next month. At Indy. Yeah. Which is going to rule. That should be cool. And also, it will give the NASCAR drivers the true, like, not advantage, but it'll be like, hey, you guys said that you weren't familiar with the street course. That's why he wiped the floor with you because he drives street courses all the time. He's coming to your turf. You guys yep. have been running here for years. Yep. Shouldn't have any advantage, right? You guys should have the advantage. So let's see what happens. Right. If it really is that much better than them or if it's just the street course thing was true. So and in the rain. But so we'll see what happens. It should be uh, should be fun to watch. There's, a, there's another supercar driver coming over for it as well. So. It should be uh, should be interesting, and I'm 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 really liking this mixing of series from all over the place and put them in different cars. But anyway, going back to the one make thing. So the cool thing about one make series is there's so many of them, and the only ones we've talked about so far are just like the supercar ones. Well, save for the Miatas, obviously, but the, the supercar ones are what kind of brought the whole thing up. Like I saw that XJ220 video, I shared it with Andrew, and I was like, this is wild. We have to talk about this at least in some way, shape, or form. But in digging into it, we found so many other like one make series that have existed over the years. Yeah. And they're all fun. And I want to see more of this. <laughs> like, there are so many cool cars you could do it with. And cool car isn't even like necessary. Like, it could be a lame car. But if they're all equal, it could be fun. Like what that YouTuber did in Florida last, what, three months ago or so? Where he bought a bunch of Crown Vicks. Crown Vicks. Yeah, I mean, that was cool. I didn't watch the whole race because I didn't want to pay the pay-per-view, but I've seen highlights and it looked fun. It's a bit of a mess, but it is fun. Yeah, it's fun. And that's, that's a bit of a mess because it's on an oval and it's set up like a, you know, Saturday night. Saturday night. Howler kind of deal. But yep. to do that on something, a different kind of course, like putting all, putting 20 crown Vicks at Laguna Seca would be wild. Yeah. You know, it'd be I, so I, would, cool. I would love to participate in that. That's how right. Fun. I'd even love to watch that, but even more so participate in it. Do like an yeah. endurance racing thing with a bunch of old clapped out taxi cabs and police cars. I'm yeah. way into it. But Andrew, you were that's, talking. That's about why I love uh, King of the Baggers. King of the Baggers racing is some of the best racing I've ever seen. It's amazing. Are those spec vehicles or are they all built to... They're not spec. Yeah, they're individually built. Yeah, no, it's... It, I had no idea that existed until recently either. And it's very fun to watch. And I think... I went to the first race in 2020 and it ripped my face off. It was so cool. I think it's more fun because they're baggers. Yes. Like they're not percent. supposed to be race bikes. Yep. It goes the same thing as like the crown Vic we just mentioned, like it's not, it doesn't belong there. Why are you yeah. doing this? But also they raced, they raced the Daytona road course last year and this year. And it is so wild to see them drafting 
Like you come up off the bus stop, you do not want to be leading. Okay. Unless you've got like a 10 second lead. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't I didn't see that race. I saw the Laguna Seca race is what I saw actually. Yeah. Yeah. That was just like two weeks ago. I mean I saw one like last year or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're all on YouTube. They've raced at Laguna Seca four times now, so it's been okay. uh four seasons. Well, honestly, I love motorcycle racing in general because they're so much smaller than cars. So there's yeah. so much more room for making weird moves and doing fun passes. Sure. And the, the strategy is, seems to be more open than in a car where, you know, you I feel like there's a lot more to mess up too. So you have to be like perfect. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Cause if you, if you make one wrong move, you're, you're not going to rub fenders. You're going to fall down. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, low siding or yeah. Whatever. Hopefully, hopefully low siding. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully low siding. Until the grip anyway, comes back and you go from a low side into a high side. That's the bad time. Yeah. Um, that's why I drive a 29 horsepower motorcycle. I don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't even spin the tire. Yep. I was thinking about that riding the other day. I was like leaning into a corner and I was like, I'm going to hit the throttle. I better be like, make sure I'm, I don't go wide open. And I was like, I can go wide open. This is a 27 yeah. horsepower motorcycle. So I just went wide yes. open and it was fine. <laughs> yes. I used to ride a sport bike. It's very different. So, Andrew, you were talking about a one make series that you were you were interested in, and it was a much smaller one make series. Yeah, I like uh, I learned about it from reading my the Mitsubishi Motorsports books that I I've picked up over the years is Formula Mirage, mm. which I didn't know was a thing. I mean, it was only inside Japan. It was a feeder series for Formula drivers in Japan. Okay. Uh, what era was this? Like late nineties, early nineties, nineteen ninety to ninety five. Okay, so these were the one six turbo or non turbo. Nope. nope. This started so it started at the same time as Formula Toyota, uh, and they ran. Even though it, was, it said Formula Mirage, they ran four G six series. Okay. Mm. Because Mirage at the time you could get with the twin cam, but it wasn't a four G six three because it was not a two liter. It was a one six, I think. Nope. So these are uh, converted Formula Four 2000 chassis. Oh, they're not Mirages. No. Oh. These are open wheel cars. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So a rear wheel drive 4G63 to a transaxle. Normally okay, aspirated. Rad. Where do we get one of these takeoff 4G63 transaxles? Yeah, right? I don't know what I'm going to make with um, it. I'm going to make something with it. And notably, the first year, the champion, Kaichi Tachia. I was going to guess oh. that before you said it, but you got me. Yeah. Okay, so when you said Formula Mirage, I ignored the formula part altogether, and I thought that was just generic word for a race car because there was a Mirage one make race in 8889 in Macau. Yeah. So it was the Luberlin Cup. And it was a feeder race for the, uh, not Formula One, but the Formula Three, maybe. I didn't look it up because I didn't know I was going to be talking about it. But I think it's it's Formula something, Formula Two. It's Formula Two, and it was a feeder series for that. And they ran Mm. like the Saturday race was the Mirage, um, Luberlin Cup race. So for 88, 89, it was 
Mirage. And then 9091, it was Eclipse. And it was cool because they were basically bone stock cars that they just did tires and brake upgrades to. And they were just non-turbo 4G63 Eclipses or 4G... Mm, 4G33 maybe is the uh, 1.6 version of the 2 liter. Sorry, the 1.6 version of the twin cam. Might be 4G33. I'd have to look I have up. a couple one make series that are maybe oft forgotten that I loved watching back in the day that had like just kind of no name drivers, but the cars were so off the wall that it was fun. There was the Volkswagen TDI Cup. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I, was a I, lot of fun. And that made a special edition Jetta buy in America, yeah. too. Yes. Which is even a, it's a cool little like trim package, kind of like an R almost. Yeah. Like, you know, the six speed manual Jetta diesel cup car. And yep. I would 100% drive one of those. That's a cool car. Yep. Yep. BBS looking wheels. I was kind of looking for one for a daily for a while. I was like, that would be a really good thing to have. Yeah, and no, then no. one that I was always jealous of was in Canada, they had the Nissan Micra Cup. Oh, Micra, okay. And and now it's Centra Cup, but but before they when they still had the Micra, they would race those. It was ten thousand Canadian to buy one, and you could get you could buy a ready to race Micra for this series for twenty two thousand Canadian. That's not terrible amount of money for a ready to race. That is the that is like to race the um, uh, Civic Type R race car that they built. Oh, maybe it was even an SI. I think it was an SI. Is like forty nine thousand dollars. Okay. So like, and that's with no spares, with no like, it's wild. Twenty two thousand Canadian is probably like seventeen thousand American too, right? It's not. Yeah, like 1819. I think it said, uh, let's see, uh, let's 18300. See. Okay, well, currently, because it's gone down, it's 167. <laughs> so that's a that's a, that's a a very cheap amount of money to uh, buy yeah. a functioning race car. I'm into that. Yeah. I didn't know they were still doing a Nissan Cup up there. So they're doing a Centric Cup now? They're a Centric Cup now, yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, the, the HPD Civic SI FE1 race car, which is for like a touring series, mm-hmm. uh, is 55000 plus tax for an SI. Which, honestly, I mean, the non race car is probably thirty grand. So, right. that's not sure. a ton of money either. That seems sure. to be kind of a neat. I mean, it's more money than I could afford, obviously, but it's certainly for somebody who has racing ambitions, that's not. It's not a lot of money. More than you can afford, pal. Civic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh it's it's cool that it exists, but I also didn't know that it was a Centric Cup still, so I wonder if those ever get sold over here. Because that'd probably be pretty cheap to buy a used too, if it's that cheap new. There's probably yeah. no market for them, and that'd be a pretty cool like track day vehicle. Like an old race car, honestly is one of the coolest buys to get if you're trying to get into something fun, like buying a built done race car. You know, I used to talk about that all the time on posting things on parked in the block, like buying somebody's built car is way the cheap. way to go. If you want yeah. get to get into racing cheap, you can, you can buy it. I, I hesitate to say turnkey because I'm sure there'll be some 
fettling you need to do, but you can buy a turnkey race car for 5,000 bucks, you know, that yeah. might need belts, but the cage is up to date and buy some tires and a Hans device and some seat belts and you get a race car. So, and a lot of these one make series certainly feed that used market because there's so many of them. Wasn't there, uh, didn't somebody did an E30 cup too, didn't they? Like the end of E30s before they got expensive. I feel like uh, I think so. Oh yeah. yeah there, it was, um, uh, NASA. NASA. Was I know somebody did E30 series. I think they still do. Okay. Spec three series or something like that. Yeah. They might've moved to like E46s. Yeah. yeah E30s got too rare and expensive. I think they're still eligible. But no, this, this, this one like, makes this cool because it also it, it promotes really good racing. If if you want to have a, a fun time watching cars race, oh. I think we lost you for a second there, or I lost you guys. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I lost you. Oh. <laughs> we dropped for some reason. Okay, mm-hmm. we're back. Um, so they're still eligible to run. They're just probably not competitive against the E46s, I bet. So, no. What's what's cool though is if you watch some footage, especially of like the the Spec Miata Championship race last year, the first three cars were separated by like ten thousandths of a second. Like they were <laughs> literally rubbing fenders as they crossed the finish line. If you haven't seen that race yet, I'll send you a link later. It was a wild finish. And a lot of one make race series kind of promote this because the cars are so equal that it's all about momentum. It's all about picking your spot. And it's certainly a hell of a driver training aid to learn. Driver talent more than car or budget. Yep. Yep. Like I said, it's a, it's a huge driver training aid because you get these guys out there that have to learn how to pass a slower or or a, a faster or equally fast car and, and learn how to carry that momentum into a turn. And it probably creates a lot of successful race car drivers if you look into who's done it. So it's very cool stuff, and I'm way into it. So, But, yeah, find single make, single make race series videos on YouTube and prepare to have some really neat stuff <laughs> thrown your way and start with the Spec Miata Championship race last year because it was wild. So there's even there's multiple videos too of like people reacting to it, like professional race car drivers reacting to this Miata race because of how crazy it was. I can think of one in particular that has uh, Jordan Taylor and a couple guys like trying to pick who the winner is going to be, and none of them can because they're just uh-huh. in the lead so many times in the final lap. It's just it's good stuff. Yeah, believe in the MX5 Cup. That's current is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yes. It's basically the same it thing, is. right? That might even be what, what I'm thinking. That? that might even be what I'm thinking of as the MX5 Cup that that finish was from. But either well, way, that's different. Spec Miata and MX5 Cup are two different things. Well, MX5 Cup is new cars, right? Yes. Well, not the newest car. Yeah, they're still NCs, I think. It's the last. No, gen. they are. They are NDs. No, they're NDs. They're ND1s, though. They're 19s. I was reading up on it. They're all like 2019s. Yeah, they're all equally prepared. Yep. Yeah, so they're the current body style, but they're the previous engine. Okay. I didn't know they changed the current body style already. Yeah, like there they... was a facelift with a um, 
I think they went from a 1.8 to a 2 liter. Anyway. So it's the NA all over again. Yeah, right. Anyway, I'll, I'll find the video of that finish and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send it to you guys and maybe we'll link it through the auto off topic page and the, if I find the Instagram link of it, it's pretty crazy. So very cool, cool. stuff. Anyway, guys, I think that, uh, it's pretty much a podcast. Pretty much. Spent all that time getting Greg, Greg, don't tell me again. And we talked too long to do it. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to end on a, a super sad note, but we should acknowledge that, uh, oh, goodness. Yes. Yeah. The, the rally community did lose someone this weekend, this past weekend yeah. at NAFR. So unfortunately on Friday of NAFR, uh, TJ Poland and Aaron Kelly had an accident on the South arm stage. So it was like getting towards the end of the day on Friday, one of the last stages of the day. And, uh, Aaron didn't make it. Wow. So, yeah, real, real bummer for everyone. We have a lot of friends who are very close to them. TJ is okay physically. Uh, he's got people looking out for him. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Aaron was a you know, co-driver for many, many years there. Very well yeah. liked, very well respected. Very I think fast. Actually, yeah. They won championship <laughs> yep. a couple of times, I think, at least once. Um, Just like well respected, well loved. Yeah. Just real bummer. Uh, and I good people that you know, a lot of us in the community do know, and it's just, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Never you yeah. hear of a motorsports tragedy and it's even harder when it's somebody who not only you do know, but you know that some of your very close friends are very close with, and it was certainly not an easy thing to hear. And I'm sure it won't be an easy thing moving forward for a long time. And it's, it's, it's just a unfortunate sobering reality of these motorsports are dangerous you know, it's yeah. So they, they did the right thing. They called the rally. That was it. Um, everybody kind of got together and, and they all went home on Saturday instead of continuing to compete, which is a, is a bummer too, for all the people that work hard all year, getting their cars ready for it. So, you know, but nobody's in their right, right. Yeah. Right mind after that kind of situation. And just as a respect to, to Aaron and, and to TJ, it's just, it, it makes, it made the most sense to call it. And they did. And man, it's, it's never going to be the same, you know, it's, it's every year now it's going to be a, a memorial race, you know, you, you're, you're going to think about it. You're going to remember her and it, it's her memory won't be forgotten. She's a hell of a, I think it was a person over 10 years ago, the last time they had a fatal <clears throat> in American rally. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, and maybe I don't know. Maybe we don't think about it. Maybe people. I don't want to say ignore it because people do take safety seriously. Sure, it's just motorsports is dangerous, and it just that's it, these things can happen. They're not. Luckily, they are rare these days. You know, it's not like the nineteen sixties, right? But like I said, it's, it's still one of those things that possible. You, you hear about it happening. And, you know, that same weekend, there was a, a fatality at an Irish rally. And you hear about it. Two, a double. Yeah. And you, and you think, man, that sucks, you know, but and then it happens close. And it just it really it really it really hurts. And we genu- genuinely 
feel for everybody in the community, all of our friends in the rally community. Many past guests of this podcast uh, I know Aaron very well and have competed with Aaron and against Aaron and and not even against like they're all friends. They all they all race each other, but everybody is close. And I, I've never met a, a community of people like I've met in the New England rally community. And, you know, even though I moved across country, I still consider all of them friends. And it's 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 just devastating. And I I heard the news and I was almost inconsolable. Like it's it's tough to hear. I'm having a hard time talking about it right now, so I'm going to stop. But uh, certainly. Certainly a huge tragedy, and Aaron has missed. So, yeah. So I don't mean to end on a downer there, but no. But I just wanted to acknowledge it. It's important, unfortunately. But all right. Now, <laughs> on that note, yeah. Where can we find us? <laughs> uh, I, I was off topic podcast. There's a <laughs> if you go. There's a, a memorial sticker um, that all the funds are going to her family. Um, that's right. Uh, I think it's, oh, I, I bought two and it's from, I can tell you where it's from. Give me a second. Okay. I'll just keep talking in between so that we can. I got it. I got it. Uh, it's rally, should be rallybuild.com has the stickers. Okay. They've got the little car number in it. And her shamrock, and the price is nine oh nine, nine dollars and nine cents, which was the eraser number. Yep. So yeah, pick up a couple of those stickers. All the money is going to her family. In fact, uh, what do you say? It's rally what now? Rallybuild.com. Rallybuild.com is fronting all the money for the printing, and um, all the proceeds go to the family. So definitely a worthwhile thing. Yep. Anyway. Now, moving on, Andrew, what's the social media stuff? All right. Auto Off Topic Podcast on Facebook, if you still use it. Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Uh, I am Ray Seninger on Instagram. Auto Off Topic on the threads. Who knows what's going on with that? We'll see. Um, and Auto Off Topic on Twitter, if I use it. But anyways... Yeah, I'm racing anger on pretty much everything else. So, Brad, where can they find you? Brad's the Brad's. Which Brad? Guess uh, guess first. At BC Brownell on. Oh no, I'm not because I'm not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, at plug in hi Brad H Y B R A D on Instagram, and that's pretty much it. I am on. Uh, I'm the same on on Threads. I'm occasionally on Threads. And that's all I've got going right now. Oh, uh, Stripe Design with two eyes. Go get your socks and soon driving gloves. Uh, everything's on sale through the end of the month. So go check it out. All in-stock styles are on sale before the new styles launch on uh, August 1st. Excellent. And I am TSISS350 on Instagram. You can follow Andrew and I both in our Scale Auto uh, posts at uh, Scale Autocast. Uh, I am pretty much only at those places now. My uh, my quick dive into Twitter was ill-timed because uh, I, I got there <laughs> at the end. So 
seems to be that uh, I won't sign the document that says that uh, Elon Musk is my forever guardian and savior. So he's not going to let me along there much longer. So we'll uh, move on from that. And maybe I'll try this this threads thing earlier than I got into Twitter, maybe. Uh, my understanding is it's just basically um, Zuckerberg's version of... It's basically the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. It's just, who am I giving my... Which billionaire gets my information this week? Oh, they... Everyone already has your information. Yeah. Yeah. Just go outside. Just buy Bradley's van and go camping. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, so somebody buy my other stuff so I have money and space. Then I'll you find you. Brad. I don't know. You got to look for the yellow and white van. I'll oh, trade I, you for the 944 back. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing in that one. I don't know. What's the value of the van? I don't know if you are. I don't know. We'll see. What's the value of the van? Uh, 14. Oh. Okay, you're losing then. (laughs) (laughs) 14, I'm buying a pickup truck. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Honestly, uh, please come join us on the Discord. Uh, We have a lot of fun there, chatting about everything. Mostly car related, sometimes not. Um, You've already missed out on two free cars. I'm sure more will come. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's where we're at. So thanks for listening, everybody. All right, cool. Keep girls analog and aim for the roses.